Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Welcome back to another episode. How are you? Oh, I'm fabulous. Yeah, I had a really great week, not least because I've spent it immersed in your fabulous new course, Shameless Plug. Um, so that's been great fun. Yeah, no, I'm good. And I had a weekend away off grid in the van, taking the kayak out on the river with Lovely. the most gorgeous little swans and cygnets and ducks and ducklings. And Aww. just, yeah, it was bliss. So I'm really good. How are you? Good. I, I'm feeling so energized from. The trip to New York just really, really has energised me. And as I think that and everything we're doing with this website photography course, yeah, I feel on a real roll. And we worked out yesterday, didn't we? We've I've still got four weeks worth of work left. And that was a big like, oh, good, because often we're at this Phase, phase in my business and I've got two weeks left and it's yeah, yeah. a big panic so yeah. I, I feel We're really good actually reaching into the holiday anymore are I'm, we well let's not speak too soon but <laughs> <laughs> at the moment it's manageable well that tells me that we've we've done a good job in the area of what we're talking about today actually yes so we're going to talk about burnout today which is it's something we've wanted to do ever since we launched the podcast, isn't it? And I'm really glad it's going to get some airtime today. Yeah, in fact, I think it was probably the first thing that we talked about talking about between yeah. us, wasn't it? Because yeah. when we launched this, it was coming out of COVID and that was a really hot topic. Yeah. And saw a lot of it around. So yeah, I'm really glad we're... And there'll be more to say on this as ever, but we'll we'll do a little... We'll do an intro and see how we go. Yeah. So let's just dive straight in then. What is burnout? I mean, it, it's a word that's bandied around quite a lot, isn't it? And I, I don't know, uh, hopefully you do, whether that's whether it's always used in the correct way. But how do you define burnout? Yeah, I'm not sure it is always used if there is a correct way. But burnout is a chronic state of physical and emotional exhaustion. Mm. So it's not something you're in for a short period of time and it's not something that just comes across you it's something that happens after a cumulative extended period of stress and exhaustion which creates this chronic condition of you know no energy fatigue emotional exhaustion and all the different ways that that plays out and it's quite I think it gets uh, interchanged in people's minds and sometimes in how people are describing it with things like chronic fatigue syndrome or adrenal fatigue mm. and of course there are crossovers but what we're talking about for the purposes of burnout is not the clinical condition of chronic fatigue syndrome which is slightly different although 
in the alternative world may be considered to have very similar li- links but mm. burnout isn't isn't typified as a medical condition but it's definitely something that is chronic and rife mm. and quite worrying actually I'm seeing more and more of it yeah you are aren't you so why do you think that is I think it's a combination of factors. I think it is, I can give you the broad systemic picture of our anthropological <laughs> evolution, but maybe we'll save that for another time. <laughs> I think if we look at recent years, it makes a lot of sense because we've had COVID. You know, yeah. the pandemic has been a prolonged period of stress for a lot of people. And mm. some people have experienced burnout simply as a result of what they've had to deal with with COVID. Yeah, I have a couple of clients that run care homes, for example, and the pressure that they were under, the sustained pressure. uh, I mean, one lady who's incredible, her incredible dedication to her staff and to her patients was extraordinary to the point where she left her family home for the entirety of COVID because she didn't want to risk cross infection. She moved into the care home in isolation and was working 70 plus hours a week for the entirety of COVID. So burnout for her is a real thing now. Yeah. And has had to factor in a prolonged period of rest as a result of that. So it's really this condition of physical and emotional exhaustion that is a result of prolonged stress. And what does that look like for her? So it looks like, because she got really into the fast ages it looks a bit like the early signs on hyperdrive so well that's a term I've never heard of (laughs) so well the early warning signs of approaching burnout are things like fatigue yeah you start to withdraw a little bit you might have the emotional symptoms of being a little bit more irritable, a little bit more anxious, a lower, a general lower tolerance for stress. Sounds a lot like the menopause to me. Oh yeah, baby. Well, this is a whole thing we're going to get into. Absolutely. And this is why it's not a very simple clear cut issue. There's lots of interconnecting cause and effects and, and a bigger holistic picture that we need to look at so we can get into that. Mm. But there's the experience of low motivation of reduced productivity and quite markedly with burnout, this this mindset that seems to be quite common of cynicism and negativity creeping in, as well as maybe physical symptoms of headaches and tension, okay. and those and a an inability to care for yourself. So a sort of level of self neglect. Now, if you take all of those symptoms and then you push them to their extreme, yeah, that's what burnout looks like. Wow. So social withdrawal a complete intolerance for any stress or emotional, you know, emotional fluctuation, uh, neglecting of self and inability to do those things that you know will make you better because you don't have the energy, you don't have the motivation, you don't have the cognitive organizational capacity because you're just spent. You're basically burnt out. You know, you've, you've yeah. used up a lot of, there's probably a correlation between burnout as a 360 experience in terms of the emotional, the psychological and the physical and adrenal fatigue, which is that, um, although again, that's not medically recognized yet, but that case of if you're under a lot of stress and your adrenals are working overtime, producing lots of cortisol, lots of adrenaline, it gets Mm -hmm. to the point where your body can't produce those anymore. And we need those hormones for motivation. We need those hormones for energy. We need those hormones for balance. So if your adrenals are completely depleted, you can no longer generate those. And, you know, Chinese medicine has a whole approach for regenerating that system. And that is chronic because mm. you, you can't just flip a switch and then suddenly that kicks into drive. Right. And obviously it will affect 
different people depending on their neurotype, depending on their stage of life. And a lot of these symptoms can look very similar to menopause and very similar to other, you know, to early depression. I was going to say it sounds, I was wondering if there's a link with depression. It's some of that sounds a lot like depression, doesn't it? So that inability to take care of yourself or that Well, it's definitely a depressive state. You know, burnout is not an active state. It's a depressive Mm. state. So if you went to the doctor with those conditions, they might diagnose you as being clinically depressed. Right. Obviously, you've got the physical fatigue that comes with that as well, which again can manifest in depression. So they could be the same things. But for me, the, the differentiating quality between depression and burnout is what causes it, what comes before. Yeah. So it really is this, well, we can talk about what gets us gets us into that state Mm. yeah I think Um, that'd be really interesting to explore I mean what what is it so you've said with this care home client it was mm -hmm. just like the sheer amount of pressure and stress and I think you know from my own experience COVID you know those shifted everything we'd learned about how to operate in society suddenly the rug got pulled didn't we yeah and that was really hard on me and on my family and yeah. you know there was that very real threat of danger for a very long time as well yeah there? yeah so you so you're in this hyper alert state and this threat state that's a very typical precursor and if I think about where I've seen burnout most acutely mm. it's in when I was on the campaign when I was working on the stop hs2 campaign and working yeah. with XR and in climate activism yeah burnout is a huge issue Mm. which is why XR was so hot on bringing in their regenerative culture piece which we'll get to but it's that prolonged period of uh almost fight or flight where your nervous system doesn't get a chance to recover Mm. and that's the key thing it's it's the inability for your parasympathetic nervous system to do what it does best which is rest restore regenerate and your body can't sustain that for long periods of time. So if you're in a space where you're under a lot of pressure consistently and highly active, like an activism space, or if you're Mm. continually going out, you know, these young people that I was working with that were living on protest camps, Mm. you know, their home was in an environment that had no rest and no peace in it because they were always under the threat of eviction. They were always, there were always police around. There were always, it was a high, highly charged situation all of the time that is ripe for burnout. Mm. You can't, and we used to have this calls for regen, like go and regenerate somewhere. Yeah. But even that wasn't enough because it was disproportionate to the amount of continued pressure and continued stress people were under. And I think if we bring it back to more local to our experience in business, there's a mode that I think we can get into in business that is really useful, which is this focus, this detail, this doing, this doing the hard work, the focusing on money, focusing on goals, the manifestation sort of stuff of the business. If that is at a certain rate and prolonged without the balance of the other things that are needed to redress that energy being used in the system all the time, then that leads us to burnout. Mm. So if we have an absence of rest and regeneration, if we have an absence of downtime where we can dream and where we can vision if we're always in the doing and the doing comes with a lot of high stakes pressure Mm. and that pressure is never it's like shaking the coke bottle continually yeah (laughs) and and then it's got to go right yeah 
Yeah, I guess my instinct when you say that is to think about those that sort of this launch culture that's just developed recently that you have to have a certain figure launch or you don't count and you know we've got to be turning over a certain amount of money or it doesn't count and that that high pressure when actually every part of your body is saying I just need to rest or this is not the right time or actually I just need to slow down yeah and that's not to say that we can't have micro periods of that yeah or that and I'm certainly you know I talk we talk a lot, don't we, about the seasons in business. Mm. And we absolutely need times in our business where we're really going for it, where we're really pushing, where we're really stretching, where we've got accumulation of loads of ideas coming together and we're very productive. I mean, this last few weeks for us has been really intense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rolling yeah. up, the gearing up to the course yeah. and all of that. That in itself isn't problematic. No. It's when that happens at the beginning of May, and then the end of May, and then the beginning of June, and then the end of June, and then the beginning of July, and then the and it's it's sustained yeah. without rest. It's relentlessness, isn't it? That's the the yeah. difference. I think most of us, although I don't know, maybe this is sweeping generalization, but I feel like lots of us can can cope with periods of intensity, and that's part yeah. of what makes things interesting. I've got a friend that works for a big accountancy firm in London and Mm. once a year she has this intense six weeks where she you know she's barely home she's out the door at six in the morning she's home at nine at night (laughs) and you would think that the six weeks following that would be a complete joy for her but actually she gets really bored yeah, yeah, because yeah. she's sort of a bit aimless for some of the year and she doesn't yeah. like that. So yeah. I don't think we're saying or I don't think you're saying that those periods are unhelpful or should be stripped out altogether. No, because I think it's they can be quite energizing and quite motivating, can't they? And essential. We need the balance yeah. of all of these energies. And I'll kind of talk you around the energy wheel in a bit. But what I think what we're also saying is year end for example yeah. in that scenario for an accountancy firm isn't it doesn't mean burnout is inevitable because you've got year end or even if you've got a protracted long wedding season for example mm-hmm. as a florist yeah you know some i know some florists that have been in business for 10 15 years they have a manic spring summer mm. and they really go for it but they're not in burnout as a result no. of that so it, it's not inevitable and it's yeah. about our personal tolerance and also about the wider holistic picture of what else is going on. Because if you take the wedding florist example, if you couple your busy season with your daughter also getting married and your mm. husband becoming poorly and then you put a pandemic on top of that, that's a whole different ballgame. A lot, isn't it? That's a lot, right? Yeah. Or if you put the productivity that we're experiencing now in your business coupled with the intensity of your house build, Yes. For a prolonged well, period of time. I deliberately scale things back for the house yeah. build. I don't know if I've, I've said this before, but before we started, before the builder came in, I had my best quarter ever. Mm. Yes. It was amazing. And I remember saying to Pete at Easter, I cannot sustain this level of productivity. And, you know, it's phenomenal, but... I can't keep doing this. And you're right. You know, a year on, I was broken and having to be really kind to myself. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope more people do it now than we used to. 
But I think the challenge is we look at our life in compartments and silos. And if we don't then look at how the the entire joined up picture Mm -hmm. and allow as entrepreneurs our business to ebb and flow with the other stressors and to create an overall balance, then, then that's an issue. Yeah. There's also this push and pull energy between the pressure that's exerted externally and the pressure that's exerted internally. So what we're seeing now in the system, you know, in the external system is a huge amount of pressure that we have no control over yeah. with cost of living, with pandemic, with, you know, whatever those external factors are. Mm. And so there needs to be some redress on the inside about our proportional amount of compassion or pressure that we're putting on ourselves. Yeah. To counterbalance. Yeah. So it is a result of sustained stress, sustained pressure. And the level at which someone will be able to sustain that will be completely different depending on their capacity. Mm. And just their natural sense of resilience. And I don't think, particularly for the post-baby boomer generation, I don't think we're as resilient Mm. by nature in general. This is a huge generalization as my grandmother's generation who saw through two wars. Yeah, yeah. I notice it, there's a markedly different mindset. You know, my I mean, my nan, bless her, she had a stroke last week and we thought that was it. We thought, okay, well, she's 98. She's mm-hmm. done really brilliantly. This is a lady who will always put a bright face on things, will mm-hmm. always reframe everything. She lost my granddad quite a few years ago and, and soldiered on and still cleans her house every day, still... Wow gets up, gets dressed in her Sunday best, cooks her meals. You know, she's neat as a pin. Mm. She has just this way about her that just says, no, I'm on top of things. Mm. And she had this stroke, bless her, and we thought that was it. And within 24 hours, she was desperate to get out of bed. She couldn't talk. She was desperate (laughs) to get out of bed and take herself to the loo. And you just think, that's extraordinary. Yeah. You know, there's a sort of level of inbuilt resilience there. And I think... We need to relearn. I mean, the pressures are more on us than those previous generations in some circumstances. We've got a wider climate picture that's problematic. We've got a lot more media. We've got a lot more demands on our time. But as a result, we've lost some of those fundamentals that make us resilient. So we are more prone, I think, to the potential of burnout because of the way everything's set up. Mm -hmm. So we've got to watch for it. Yeah. And so that leads me on. I suppose it's a two-part question, really. I thought I probably had experienced burnout towards the end of having my design agency, but but what you've described, I don't think I did, actually. No, I think you were on the wedge towards it, potentially. Yeah. And some of those signs of stress. But the reason I know that you weren't burnt out yeah. is because after a short period of time when that closed, you were immediately re-inspired and we went out and did you know you did Elsie and Violet and various other bits yeah 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 I mean as soon as I'd sold it within weeks I was chomping at the bit exactly so that for me is not what burnout looks like that was just a need of reorientation yeah you know we clocked it early yeah it would have ended it would have ended up that way if you'd gone on for another 18 months yeah so I wonder you've probably answered this but maybe we just need to articulate it a bit more is like what what is that difference between this sort of exhaustion wedge of burnout and actual burnout is it a sliding scale is it is it is it kind of like an equation of time and pressure (laughs) that you know it could have happened in two weeks if something bad had happened 
Yeah. I think once you get to burnout, the point is, is once you drop off that end of the wedge, Mm. if it's burnout, it's very difficult to get back from. Mm. So once you, which is why I'm such an advocate for let's not get anybody there in the first place. Yes. and, and for some people, it can take a hell of a lot. You know, I have another client who's an extraordinary woman. She works in nonviolent communication and training. She's displaced from her home because of war. She's yeah. seen the most horrendous things. She's worked in high conflict situations. She's had a number of illnesses and challenging relationships. And the whole picture is horrendous. But over a period of years, she's now got to a place where she absolutely has to manage her energy so f- acutely, so finely, so carefully because she has to very, very slowly build that muscle back up again. Yeah. And literally build the physical muscle so that she can cope with the fatigue and the emotional muscle so that the small things don't knock her off yeah. because it's, it's been sustained. But for most people, just experiencing one of the things she's experienced would be enough yeah. to... There's a trauma accumulation there as well. Yeah. So I think the difference is when you drop off with burnout, you need to take recovery so seriously, like it's an emergency. I don't Mm. think most people are in burnout. I think most people are screeching towards it at a rate of knots. And that's Mm. what I want to try and get ahead of. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because you mentioned the trauma, and obviously, war is going to do that in a big way. Mm. Pete was talking about how most people in their life will experience like six to eight traumas Mm. on average and emergency services experience something like 800 on average it's daily and it's hideous you know you think about when you see an accident it stays with me for months yeah yeah and there's ways of processing you know particularly the ambulance service are pretty good at at only from anecdotal experience of my cousin who works in the service but pretty good at the reflection aftercare and processing so that even if you witness something that could be traumatic it doesn't end up as trauma right. for you yeah 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 uh, because yeah. that's the difference because they're seeing trauma yes and that's part traumatic of the job, incidents yeah. part of the job but that doesn't have to become embedded somatic trauma for them so there's all of these different layers yeah the good news is most of us probably aren't in burnout but we will be somewhere on this wedge and recognizing where you're at and hopefully recognizing earlier on yes in a better position yeah so this was what I wanted to ask you was what are the red flags that we are on on the wedge on that wedge yeah so if we take it as the sort of you know physical emotional psychological yeah diagram if your emotional realm or your emotional stability or your baseline of your emotional state if that is becoming unpredictable erratic not of your usual habit Mm. so some people are really up and down emotionally but that's their normal rhythm and flow and that's not necessarily a bad thing but if your emotional state is starting to kilter off in some direction. So for some, so I know I'm on that road if I start to feel anxious because anxiety is not a thing for me. I don't mm. really do anxious. The menopause, perimenopause has kicked that in. Yes, yes, me too. Yeah. You know, unfamiliar territory. Yeah. But it's also exacerbated by, you know, life circumstances and all of that kind of mm. stuff. So 
if I start feeling anxious, it's a very early sign for me that my yeah. nervous system is dysregulated and something's going on. And if that's prolonged, mm. if I have anxiety that lasts for more than a day or even a few hours for me, that's a signal that right. mm, I need to re-regulate. Yeah. Okay. You've got an emotional state that sits with you that isn't your normal state. It's a, it's, it's a red flag. Yeah. It's an orange flag. Like, yeah, let's do yeah, something yeah. about it. If you're more snappy with your clients, with your kids, with your friends, if you have less tolerance, mm. you know, you can't, it's, it's, I can't cope as well as I used to. I'm not coping as well. My productivity might have gone down a bit. My ability to think or organize, or if you just have that general sense of I'm not coping as well as I did before. Yeah. Or at times. And is that prolonged and is that sustained? I think that's a flag to look mm. at. Physical symptoms of tension, headaches, sleep not being restorative. So lots of these signs at the moment, they're sounding like I'm stressed kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're the signs of stress. Yeah. They're the signs of stress. And if we can stop it at the signs of stress and deal with the stress, then it doesn't get to burnout because that's effectively all it is, prolonged stress. Mm, Okay. And... One of the key things about sleep is a lot of people say, you know, if you're stressed, your sleep gets interrupted. One of the differentiators between just general levels of stress and stress that's leading to burnout is you don't get restored from sleep. So mm-hmm. something happens in the brainwaves during the sleep patterns when you're further along that wedge. That means that you're not getting the REM sleep or you're not getting the beta delta shift, whichever way around it is. I can't remember off the top of my head. That means that your sleep is restorative. So if you're waking up, feeling tired Mm. that is a real red flag Mm. and I think that happens to more people than we would like to recognize that is also a big menopausal thing yeah it's huge Um, yeah yeah so does that mean that we're on the path to burnout or does it just mean it's menopausal my instinct tells me that at that phase of life, we are more prone to the potential of burnout than we mm. would be in our teenage years, for example. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure about that. If maybe I look at teenage, the maybe, maybe 20, pressure, 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe 20, 30. Intense pressure, particularly kids doing their A-levels are under. It's oh, horrendous. Horrendous. But they also have potentially more resilience for that because... I think they've just got more energy. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. And less responsibility. So the, I guess the pressure often, not always, is just coming from one aspect. But but they have yeah. a lot going on. A, a lot going on. going on. And you do see, um, I've got a couple of younger clients that have just come out of university, actually. And they're in relatively latter, getting yeah. towards burnout stages. So we're treating it like an emergency because they've had four years yeah, you know, medical school or law school or yeah, whatever, yeah. where it's just been intense all the time. So it's so, a definite thing. So sleep, and then I interrupted yeah. you. So anything else? Yeah, sleep, cynicism. Um, the withdrawal and the starting to neglect the things that you know will take care of you. Mm. And I'm not just talking about, oh, I didn't make time for the gym because I had an important call to do. It's things like you might have considered your food to be really important before, but you're now just going through the motions of it and eating junk because you're comfort eating or because you're just grab or you're just forgetting to eat altogether. I know that makes you laugh. I can't, literally cannot imagine. I mean, I would love that to be a thing. Honestly, it would really help me out. But well, that's a flag um, for me. <laughs> you know, it is one of my flags. I can literally forget to eat. Yeah. 
So I still can't So yeah, I mean it does look like it looks like stress. So yeah. I think what we're saying is let's reduce let's recognize that it's much more I mean this is not rocket science any of this it's much more likely we're going to be under much more stress now um, than previous times let's treat this like an emergency and let's can we please get rid of the narrative that burnout is inevitable Mm. I hear that so much yeah in business I think it's really dangerous isn't it because it normalizes these feelings of and says it's okay yeah and says it's okay to put ourselves under this pressure Mm. and I'd like to see a sort of merging of the bubbles of life so that we take a more holistic view Mm. and we use other aspects of our life to redress that balance yeah but I think the and also it's worth noting that it's not just about throwing yourself into something with intensity automatically creates burnout so if I think about my time on the campaign Mm. If I'd stayed in that 70-hour week slog, yeah. uh, doing all of those things at that high intensity, that's a fast road to burnout. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years later, doing the Dragonfly project, same amount of time, yeah. same amount of energy, same pressures, highest, higher stakes in a way because it's more local to me, higher stakes, and my mm. kids were involved and all of that. That was not a recipe for burnout. Could have kept doing that forever and ever and ever because there were other facets that balanced it within that system Mm. so it's about the intensity the stress the nature of the stress that means that there's no recovery so I think if we look at how to avoid it before we look at how to recover from it because recovery is really dependent we don't want to get there do we it sounds like we don't want to get there so and that just to pick you up on the red flags though lots of the things you're describing and maybe I'm part of this problem but they don't sound that big of a deal you know not getting not not waking up rested um being a bit snappy with people um can't remember what the other one was um low motivation reduced productivity withdrawal yeah like fatigue is there a are you saying what's the thing that if if I at what point do I need to treat this like an emergency just how bad how bad because I, I yeah I guess how I, bad does it have to get before I do something about it well before I have to really worry I think because I do think that you know maybe maybe I shouldn't think like this but I do think that for me with the the pressure I have on me to mm. provide for the family running a business is inevitably stressful it's inevitably tough and I guess for me it's balancing that with those extended periods of rest where I'm not working that makes it manageable yeah um but I don't feel like I am on the fast road to burnout and yet so what I suppose what I'm saying is there must be some marker yes that takes this from I'm a bit stressed and it's not much fun to, I can't continue like this. Yes, there is. And if we use you as an example, if you were further along that case, because you're not on the road to burnout, you know. You, I don't you, feel you know, like I am. No, no, you're definitely no. not. You're definitely not. You know, there, there's anxieties and there's, you know, all those bits and ups and downs and what have you, but no, it's not, it, yeah. it would not be a worry for you at all. Otherwise I'd be saying, Fee, 
whenever you come up with one of your brilliant new ideas, I'd be going, hold on a minute, can we just take a for a second? There's only so much one woman can do. And that's, you know, I'm so rarely, well, in fact, never saying that to you. I'm going, yeah, what do we do next? So not an issue for you. And the reason I know that is because when it comes to the summer holidays, you can enjoy that time, you can rest, you can cope, you can put your passions into something else and it's restorative. Mm. If you're getting to the point where you can't rest because there's too much in your mind or in your body, you can't rest, you can't cope with anything, it floors you. You're just about coping with making the kids pack lunch and then the child comes to you and says, like mine did this morning, mommy, I need three labels for my clothes and I need a new permission slip. If that tips you over the edge, red flag. If you can't switch off your thinking, if you can't go to the river for a weekend and get to a point after a couple of hours where you're just going, oh, look at the sunset. You can't do that if that's not accessible to you because because basically that point at which your nervous system is so activated all the time that you can't can't enjoy anything. If you're at that point, you're right on the edge. So I think if I think back to after eight, nine, I think the lowest point for me in our build was probably February half term. So yeah. they'd started in the June, it, you know, some holidays, that was all exciting because everything's being bashed about. There's a big chunk of money in the bank account. My spreadsheet is showing that we've got more than enough money to finish the project and buy all the nice curtains and lampshades and all the nice yeah. things I want to finish it. Um, October half term, probably okay. Starting to get a bit stressy because um, I want to have people over for Christmas and the builder mm. hadn't quite clocked that. And the 12 week build that started in June was showing no sign of finishing. <laughs> so by February half term, the builder had spent all our money and 50% more. There, so that I didn't have that sort of comfort of money in the bank account. I was beating myself up for the builder spending all the money without telling me, you know. So mm. my spreadsheet now wasn't showing <laughs> what it was meant to be showing, and so I'm kind of thinking, well, what's wrong with me? I'm good at running businesses. Why, mm. why did this go so wrong? And. And we, you know, just, well, we'd had COVID twice and the, the, like the reality of living amongst dust and just all of that and Ellie doing her A-levels and drama school, it was too much. And by February half term, I remember thinking, I just need a rest. I just need a rest. But Mm. there was nowhere to rest. There was nowhere. And it's not the same at all as your people on your campaign with the police, but that it you're right, there was no refuge, there was no safe place, there was nowhere nice for my eyes to rest. And I remember just thinking, I just want an afternoon of sitting down. Yeah. But if I sit down here, I'm gonna to have to look at all those unpainted walls. So yeah. actually, if I just push on and I just paint, yeah, at least then I won't have that pressure on me. Yeah, if you were in that scenario and you didn't take a break at May half term and you didn't have any social interaction with your friends at the weekends that took you out of that and you were just in that, if you were just in that with no respite, you'd be there. Yeah, but also I think something felt very different in February half term to how I feel now. 
Yeah. Like I felt like there was nothing there. I think yeah. we probably instinctively know whether it's a level of stress that's not very pleasant, but we can cope with it. Yeah, yeah. Or well, it's the feeling you can't cope. Like yeah. the, the, the road to burnout is I can't cope. Yeah, yeah. And what happens once you get past burnout is your ability to cope just leaves you. Mm-hmm. Like you literally, like there's no, even if you wanted to cope, you couldn't. Yeah. So, that, so we don't want to get people. We do not want to get there. So how do we stop it happening then? I would like everyone to be super, super attuned. And I even need to get a lot better at this to when their nervous system becomes dysregulated at, at any point during the day. So our nervous systems go in and out of regulation. We, we go up and down this scale of, in what we call ventral vagal, this sort of happy space. We talk a load about this in the Resilience Masterclass, mm. don't we? But You did a really good thing on that, by the way. Thank you. Just, just as a little plug. But just as a little shameless plug for the <laughs> Resilience Masterclass, available <laughs> in the Brand Stylist Academy. Um, and we go up and down this sort of scale of fight, flight, um, maybe mm. dorsal vagal, where you're, where you're just completely withdrawing. And it's natural to go in and out of those phases. Mm. Getting a really acute sense of when you start to get dysregulated in a relationship or in a conversation or in an interaction with a client or in a workspace, dysregulation being activated to the point of losing slight cognitive function, losing rational perspective, that kind of thing, and Mm. immediately taking the steps to bring ourselves back. I'd love it if we just all did that and then burnout just wouldn't happen. Not realistic. So we can take a much more regenerative approach to life as a whole. We can look at it in terms of the seasons, like like I did in the book, you know, mm. you have spring, summer, autumn, winter. Or we can look at this slightly more regenerative cycle that XR adopted to bring into their regen circles, where if you have action as, as the thing you're building towards, it starts with rest. You yeah. know, so you're at the top of this, if you're at north on the compass, you're at the top of this kind of this compass and you're in rest, and preferably that's in nature and you're having that time. Or that might be sleeping overnight you can map this in a day you can map this Mm. year as action whatever so you're resting and then there's this sort of ethereal time that you come into in early dawn where the yogis like to get up and do the pranayama and Mm. and that's where everything is sort of a little bit mystical and it's dreamy and you've got this this sort of dreaming visioning possibility the energy of that is is something that we don't connect with when we're in burnout or we're on the road to it. So this mm-hmm. sort of what's possible kind of dreamy state. In the regenerative cycle, you've then got a period of skill development and preparation for action, but we don't need to focus on that. Then you've got your doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then after a period of doing stuff, whatever that is, and this is what we often forget, which you now you do really well now, is like you know you've got a load of intense build up to a half term, and you deliberately factor in the aftercare. Yeah. So when we know we're going into stressful interactions or stressful situations, whether it's the macro of we've got three intense weeks, we're going to take a week off, or the micro of I'm going to go and visit my nana in hospital. So I'm just going to check in with a friend afterwards to debrief that experience. Mm. That's a micro version of the same re-regulating piece. Yeah. We don't build in aftercare and self-care check-in enough. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be massive, but we do have to come back to try and get ourselves back to this base state of even keel and regulation and sort of soothing so that we've we've sort of come through the action and we're out the other side. Mm. We forget so much, and this is not possible in burnout either, we lose our capacity for it, to celebrate and to have gratitude. Mm. 
for the good stuff that's happened. Yeah. So building in celebration is a counterpoint to action and preparation. Mm. And I think if we can actively build that in, in a stress-free way, I'm not talking about hosting a massive family dinner that's just going <laughs> to tip you over the edge. <laughs> tip you over the edge. I'm talking about, you know, something that's like, how are we going to celebrate this? And yeah. it might just be a conversation with a friend that says, can I tell you how brilliant I was today? Whatever it is. Yeah, you know. well, what did I do last Thursday when we, we put the photography course on pre-orders? Mm. Oh, I bought ice creams for the kids. I mean, just nice. really simple, but I was like... I'm buying them because we've just sold a load of courses. So yeah, amazing. Let's just celebrate that. Yeah, and the point is, it moves you into a different type of energy. You're, yeah, you're, sort of, you're not staying in this space. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then what we often forget that is not in our culture very much, and businesses who do well bring this in, and you and I do this a lot, is reflection and processing. Yeah. So the dealing with the psychological stuff, the thinking about the stuff, the journaling, the the making sense of what has happened and giving yourself the space to reflect, process, and, and therefore, when you come into the next round of action, doing things differently. Mm. So building deliberate space to rest, to action, aftercare, celebrate, reflect. Like yeah. that cycle really works Mm. and if you're interested in a slightly more not weird shit but a broader view of this the eight shields model by john young is really interesting to look at and it's based on the points of the compass and the way that energy moves and it talks about these counterpoints of energy round this wheel and how when things are working really well we get the best of these energies and when they're not we get the worst of them Mm. and in certain stages of burnout you can or or when someone's heading for burnout you can see which parts of that compass which parts of that shield that wheel they've been spending too much time on yeah so the southern part of the compass of the wheel is about focus about detail about manifesting about hard work about uh the importance of money if you spend all your time there and you don't spend any time in the north part of the wheel which is around wisdom and the bigger picture and integration, then you're going to be imbalanced. Mm. You know, if you spend a lot of time in the east or the southeast, which is around this energy of inspiration and welcoming, our roundhouses always used to have the door in the east. That's where you come in. You know, yeah. it's, it's a welcoming space. Yeah. And the southeast is about enthusiasm and motivation. If you have too much of that energy, you're going to get too intense. Yeah. You're going to have this potential of playing when things are inappropriate not being able to have the counterbalance of stillness and calm yeah whereas on the other side of the wheel you've got in this western energy you've got this harvest this appreciation this celebration Mm. so it's a really lovely model and you can map it on it's i mean for those of you who like to geek out on this stuff you can map (laughs) it onto team development organizational structures Mm. i mean it's really fascinating it's not just interesting yeah it's not just woo woo i think for our yet to be revealed event that we're doing in September we need to do some more stuff on this because I think oh my gosh that is such a great idea yes that makes me very excited yeah yeah more to come on that. yes so yeah I think it's recognizing all the parts of the cycle yeah there's some really great stuff in there I wonder just as an aside if we just share two or three things maybe that we do just on a really tactical sort of Mm. practical daily level to I'm trying to remember whether we've even done 
an episode on taking care of yourself or not, or whether we've just talked about it so much. We did quite a bit in vitality, didn't That's we? That's true. Um, I mean, the other thing that I forgot to mention it uh, within that and and supporting that cycle is, you know, in terms of what we can do, is the benefit of support. Yes. You know, we have to have yeah practical, emotional, and physical support at whatever level that's yeah. needed. Yeah. And that will go up or down depending on where we are. Yeah, so having a really good sounding board that you can trust. A good sounding board, someone you can celebrate with. Yeah. Someone who can hold you emotionally when you go off on a perimenopausal blip like I do occasionally. (laughs) Um, Someone who can provide practical support to help you get stuff done. Mm. Yeah. You know, the support you and I have for each other has all of those things in place, right? Mm. There's a lot of practical stuff. Yeah. Someone to take the pressure off. And particularly, it can be very helpful when we're in those later stages because what starts to happen is our cognitive capability goes down. So someone who can bring perspective and organizational capacity is is worth pulling in because because you start to lose perspective the further along that wedge you get and you cannot see the wood for the trees. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of support. So you need someone to do the emotional holding and processing for you Mm. and then someone who can do the perspective and the planning and the let's get you out of this piece. Yeah, yeah. So I'm also thinking just on a really day-to-day basis things that help me when I'm in those Mm. states that you're talking about are things like um the flower essences and I've just discovered this amazing not just actually she submitted to my gifts for entrepreneurs about four years ago Saskia's flower essences oh lovely yeah and I hadn't really you take them a a bit differently to back as in you Mm -hmm. take seven drops not four so I hadn't I hadn't seen the full effects of them, but they are phenomenal. She has a really extensive range and actually amazing. Poppy was looking at them this morning and we were talking about some of the stuff that she might use. So I think those are great. And actually I've just sent a couple to a couple of clients that are having a tough time at the moment. Oh, lovely. Um, Yoga with Adrian. She does a great, I mean, yoga with Adrian is great anyway on YouTube, But there's one called Yoga for Space, for creating mm-hmm. space, which is brilliant for just, well, giving you that space that you need yeah. to then get back on and walks. You know, I started, I committed to doing 10,000 steps a day in January and I've done at least that every day. And it, it does make such a difference. Yeah. We have the same things. It's the same yeah. for me. It's immersion in nature. Yeah. I use flower essences are amazing. I use the Bach remedies yeah. a lot. Actually, I came into flower essences through the Australian essences and they were amazing. Okay. And they do some lovely ones actually for menopausal women. I think that was the yeah. first, I can't remember the name of it now, but they do a beautiful blend yeah. for menopausal women. Yeah. Yoga and movement and walking and connecting to nature. Yeah. I think breathing practices. I mean, they can be tricky for some people because you can have a lot of trauma base in the breath, but singing and breathing well. I mean, singing facilitates good breathing and singing mm. as a restorative practice for the nervous system is awesome. I mean, <laughs> but it is awesome. And I have the great joy of knowing and working with a couple of really wonderful natural voice practitioners if you're in my neck of the woods then um zoe hatch who runs sound and song of which i'm very privileged to be a cic director of 
she does these amazing natural voice singing mm-hmm. workshops. And even if you don't think you can sing, everybody actually can. I know you think you don't, can't be, but everybody can. I think I can, but <laughs> who is going to be a professional singer tells me in no uncertain terms that I cannot you sing. You absolutely can <laughs> sing. So yes, yeah, singing is a much missed and much underused huge resource I really think for our nervous system and our times and also because it can be done on your own it can be done in community it can be done to uplift it's there's Mm -hmm. a whole great movement in climate now of like climate singing and singing for the earth and it's just oh my god it's amazing yeah so and you can get a great support network through those kinds of things so I think Mm -hmm. if you if you've only got time to do one hobby go and find a a natural voice network yeah yeah Yeah. amazing yeah so Hopefully, as people are listening to this, hopefully most people won't actually be in burnout. Hopefully, yeah. they will be well. They're hopefully, unlikely. Hopefully, to they'll be to. feeling great. Actually, but hope if they're on the path, hopefully they'll only be on the path rather than there. But it's mm. worth just talking briefly, and I say briefly because I, I'm hoping that most of our listeners for their sake, won't be in this state. But what what are the actions when you are in burnout? I think the primary thing is to stop and recognise that it's an emergency. Yeah. Because it can take people some time to catch up. And the longer you try and keep things moving, yeah, uh, the longer recovery takes. It's a recognition that you absolutely won't be able to perform at your full capacity. So you have to get support. Yeah. So you're going to have to galvanize your family, your friends, whatever it takes to create different circumstances. And that's going to mean quite a big shift for some people around beliefs and capacities. It's an incredibly vulnerable space. Mm. And if you're someone who has experienced burnout, it's likely that you're probably a type A, very driven, very capable person. Yeah. And therefore the adjustment to receiving help and having to look after yourself before other people is going to be tricky. Yeah. So that's the biggest shift, which comes with armfuls and armfuls. If I could, I'm just thinking about your Smith and Munson shoot and those beautiful armfuls of tulips that you had and the girls, armfuls of compassionate tulips for yourself. You know, it's like, just tender loving care and the bait the absolute basics of building up your physical and your emotional body so deal with any grief that's there process that have someone to speak to someone to cry with someone to dance with all of that stuff you have to look after your body and rebuild the nutrition and if you think it's adrenal fatigue and you just haven't got any of that energy then look at complementary medicine you know look at the allopathic approach as well but you're going to need to hit it 360 with everything. And it absolutely is possible to, mm. to recover and to thrive. And then when you're on that upward swing, starting to think about, well, what have I learned from this? Because I do believe that these periods of wintering and burnout, it's more than wintering, it's that dark night of the soul, or that burnout phase, are brought to us as opportunities. Mm. It's like chrysalis phase. Yeah. And in the chrysalis, like the caterpillar just completely disappears, right? It gets Mm -hmm. utterly metamorphosized and goes to mush and it feels horrendous and it's awful. And then, wow. Yeah. If it rests for long enough in the chrysalis, there's the potential for completely new life direction if you need it, a complete Mm -hmm. revelation, a change, opportunities for different relationships, for different working styles, for everything. So... If you're in it, there's a huge amount of hope and possibility. If you give yourself the time, the rest, the nurture, the space, the compassion 
for something really beautiful to come out the other side of it. Amazing. Wow. I had planned to ask you one more question, but actually I I just want to leave it there. I think that was a really positive and hopeful and hopefully really, really useful episode. So thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Oh, you're welcome. And if anybody is in that space, then sending huge support and really... Yeah, it's a difficult space to be in and it's and the road to it is difficult as well. So you're not alone. There are loads no. and loads of loads and loads of people in this space and struggling and it's okay to be vulnerable and to let people know um because my experience of that is people rally and it's amazing. Mm. And I think if if you're kind of on the path rather than there, we've already done a quite a lot of episodes that would be helpful, haven't we? So vitality, business on your terms, inspiration obviously the resilience masterclasses there's lots of really practical stuff in that that will help you develop your resilience but also understand a lot more about what's happening and what to do about it yeah and I think that's that's can be quite useful as soon as once I started learning in my earlier days about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system basic Mm. biology that we should all know right and then about the vagus nerve and how that works. And then about the connection with the breath. And then about various energy works. And the, the more awareness and understanding you have of how our bodies and our minds as an interconnected system work, the more resources you have at your fingertips. So all of that learning is really useful. Yeah, yeah. amazing. So until next time, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to Style and Substance. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.